Miss Melba Moore. And we're going to sit back and just reminisce about the good old days and all of that. I've known her for a long time and she's been very gracious with her time with us today. So um, here we go. Let's get started. Melba, what have you been doing in the midst of this pandemic? Trying not to eat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every two seconds, I want to go to the refrigerator or, or the microwave or to the restaurant or something. But um, no, I've really been trying to refocus, uh, taking the opportunity to see, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do, okay, well, what can I do? <laughs> and what's safe to do? Because as you're listening to the news, some people were saying, oh, we're taking down this restriction, we can go here, we're, oh, we got this vaccination, come on and take it, Everybody just everybody's gonna be fine. So I'm watching everything very closely, I'm learning maybe to scrutinize a little bit better. I, I think we as artists, and um, we've always had to be discerning. If it's for a manager, if it's for a song, if it's for a record company, because you're the product. And so you have to kind of figure out how you're going to allow yourself to be used. When I say be used, I want to be used, <laughs> but I don't want to be misused. And now, if you don't make the right decision, you could lose your life. So I take it very, very seriously. I think I've always been an introspective person, but um, Take it very seriously. And now that I've been in my vocation entertainment for over over 40 years, a lot of things are kind of coming back to me. Everybody's in this together. So I'm getting response from people doing this, doing that. I'm saying, that one has a podcast. They can't even say the ABCs. I don't think I want to be on that show. <laughs> Clarence Waldron? Oh. <laughs> Past. And so I would say, gee, he's been around for a while, but you know, everything all ain't bad, etc. <laughs> okay. But now, in the midst of all this, you have found time to make some new music for us, your public. So tell, tell me about the uh, song, Just Being Me. Just Doing Me. Yes. Uh, well, I did it before the pandemic, 
but I've um, been in transition for quite some time. I guess many of us have, I mean, because you're on visual here now, Clarence, you know, that you, you were like, you were a great journalist, but it was written and you were, um, what can I say? No, ahead at the top of, of that industry, because especially for black people, there was no uh, written public industry. There was Jet and there was Ebony. So you were at the beginning and you at one time were the only one. So you, um, since, since the internet came in, that's been about 20 years now, right? So, yes. But since this part of it has continued to sharpen and transition, I've been making those transitions because things happened in my life personally. So I didn't have my old management. I didn't have my old marriage for a while. I didn't even have my daughter. But uh, so I had to figure out, okay, well, I'm not a business expert. I, did, I don't know about that. Now I have to learn the business. <laughs> what does that consist of now? And of course it's always changing. And so uh, the music that I made, I made maybe a couple of years ago, but uh, <clears throat> we didn't use all of it. I had an album out of some of it called Forever M-O-O-R-E. And it, I had that because of George Pettis, wonderful, wonderful uh, musician from Texas. And um, we met through someone else. That didn't work out, but we became closer. And so we began to work directly. And mm. uh, uh, he brought me to his, everybody's got a home studio now, but you remember when they had, for a while we went through the transition where they had them in, in the trunks. <laughs> <laughs> you were funny. I, I know, but I don't know. That's just how it is, Clan. But we've been transitioning for quite some time. And so some of these songs I had and just doing, just being, I started to say just doing, just being me. No, no, just doing me. I don't know my own song, but just doing me has, has been in the camp for a little while. And so um, what happened was um, it was being, we gave it to, when I say we, George, my manager, Ron Richardson, gave it to Terry Hunter, who was a very, very important uh, DJ and mixer. Now that's been in transition too for quite some time. Now we can think about disco and DJs back in the time when I had you step into my life back in the seventies, but it's not the same thing today. Okay. So T Terry took this song, he remixed it, but now Terry has his own following. Uh, there's a whole genre that they have created out of not just disco or dance music, but house music. I'm telling you all this because Terry took this song and, and uh, DJs are not only mixers, they're arrangers. So they of course change the tempo because there's a certain tempo for house music, but they changed quite a few things in it to the point where when they presented it and they, they actually took and they put it out. And so by the time I heard it, it was already being played. And I saw somebody roller skating to it and everything. I said, oh, wow, I like that. Who is that? <laughs> I didn't recognize it. <laughs> it was so fresh and so different sounding to me than anything that I had done before. I didn't recognize it. So it's fresh and new, but we've, we've been transitioning so long until we're right on time for everything that's coming out now. That's what I'm trying to say. Right, right, right. So now who wrote the words to the song? 
the words were written, and that's important. Angela Pettis is George's wife, but they work as a team, good, good, good husband and wife team. Mm -hmm. And when I first heard the song, one of the reasons I didn't recognize that it was me was the nature of the lyrics. Uh, Nobody else can do me better than I can. I said, that sounds kind of arrogant, you know? <laughs> but of course, nobody else can do you better than you. But she wrote that <laughs> lyric. And then after I saw it, um, I had to hurry up and put out a video because everybody was putting their videos out to it because I feel like they were just doing them. That was the spirit of it. I said, oh, that's the new me, okay? <laughs> I said, and I saw this beautiful long leg woman. She was in, in some inner place, you know, it wasn't a big roller skating ring, but she was roller dancing. I said, wow, I could see the spirit of the song and the, the freshness and, and how everybody could take it and make it theirs and what, and, um, I guess a powerful thing, house music, house dance, Dondra music can be for people to express themselves. And then it really presented himself because we were all shut in and shut down. We didn't have a lot to do. So we would go to these things just to look at them. And then there it was. It just, so I think I was at the right place at the right time. And thank goodness, if I had written a song for me, because I didn't see that side of me. That's why we need other people. You need family members, you need other people to see the parts of you that you can't see. That's, that's how they saw me. So now I got a hit, okay? <laughs> okay, it sounds great, sounds great. But but the, the lyrics that I like the most are really powerful. And it sounds like you. I think that you probably wrote this yourself. The Lord has brought me a mighty long way, never lost my voice, never lost my health, never lost my praise still doing me that wore me but, out well me too uh because i heard the song and it was going along and all of a sudden it breaks down and here's a testimony yes and see you know what clarice that really is me so i forgot about it mm. the way things have moved and changed i even if i did it on tape and stuff i never thought they would keep that i'm sure i didn't think that i'd just be doing that right right but right that's me. <laughs> well, it works. It works. It works. Yeah. Now, will there be an album coming up or is the album out now? I'm told that they're going to be first an EPK. Is that okay. how you say it? Yep. Yep. EPK. Yes. <laughs> I like talking to you. <laughs> I'll get this thing in about 100 years, I think. Okay. Okay. EPK. Yes. Because. Yeah. Uh, uh, they want to do a remix on a, a whole new thing on Standing Right Here, which has been a very, very wonderful standard for me, written for me, especially for me by Gene McFadden and John Whitehead. But they're going to uh, do it all. Uh, what is it? She's, my daughter said it's an EP, not an EPK. Oh, the EP. Okay. Okay. Ask nobody like you, Clarence. You okay. I don't know why you did. I don't know why you did. <laughs> All right, EP, y'all got it. <laughs> so I know they want to do a whole redo of "Standing Right Here," which has become a standard for me. And as I was saying, it was written especially for me for Gene McFadden and John Whitehead. And there are a couple of other songs that they want to do to um, present an EP for the summer, not an EPK. <laughs> right. So that that'll be coming shortly. 
Okay, good enough. Now, this weekend, the Aretha Franklin miniseries will premiere. Will you watch that? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's the queen. I don't care if I think it's good, bad, or indifferent. That, that's history. I want, And it's new history because, you know, there was a time we didn't have stories made about us anywhere. Unless, mm. it's, unless it was Jet or Ebony, <laughs> excuse me. Right. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, <clears throat> so um, we are rewriting the narrative. Absolutely, I want to see it, yes. Yes, yeah. It reminds me, the last time that we were together actually was at Aretha's Christmas party in Detroit. Oh. Yeah. Last time, and I heard you perform and all that. So yes, indeed, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, what was the connection between the song Lean On Me and Aretha Franklin. Is there a she story behind that? Song? She, Say recorded, it again? she recorded Lean On Me first. That's where I first heard oh. it. Oh, okay. And okay. I'm a diehard fan. I know the world is. I'd get in line to see her. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All and right. so I just love the song with the words and um of course her singing of it. But and I wanted to sing it because the words meant so much to me, and so I, I developed my own style of it. And um, when I got a chance to meet Van McCoy, who wrote it, I made him do my arrangement of it. So I was right that that was my rendition of "Lean on Me," but my inspiration came from Aretha. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Now you know, also, tried hard, Clarence, because I knew I couldn't sing it like her, anything like her. So I had to do, develop a way. I mean, I felt uh, pressed and moved to just keep trying to sing until something came out that was something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. It, it definitely works, it definitely works. Now, did you also do backup for Aretha and Johnny Mathis? Is that, is that correct? In recording studios, yeah. I never worked live with them, but I did uh, uh, some songs that, that I'm sure that they recorded. Yeah, I don't remember all of the songs because I was a backup studio singer. I got into the industry that way with uh, Valerie Simpson and Nick Ashford. That's what they used to be doing. And they they uh, gave me my first work in industry that oh, way. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Now, when I look at your extraordinary career, you've done Broadway, you've done the the records, the record charts, you've done TV, you know, TV specials and miniseries and all that. Is it one that you prefer more than the other? I wouldn't say prefer, but I think music is my center. It's my, my base. And I think when I do that right, the others blossom out. It's like a, a good tree. You know, you get good roots and good, good soil and uh, good nurturing. It might blossom a whole lot of different fruits. <laughs> I think if I keep steady with that, I will always have a chance to have a fresh start or to go into a, another direction. So I don't choose one over the other, but I think music is my center. Okay, it's your center. All right, good so. enough. Yeah, yeah. Let's go way back to this musical called Hair. How did that come about? I mean, because you were the first black to replace a white actress and all of that. Tell us, tell us about that, please. Well, it was a recording session. Once again, it was one of those recording sessions where I was doing backup with Nick and Val and maybe three or four other background singers that was on. It was a big session, but it was being done. Uh, the, the lead performer was Galt McDermott. He was a great keyboardist, but he also wrote the music for the Broadway uh, musical Hair. And he was being uh, accompanied 
by uh, the, the two book writers, Jim Rado and Jerry Ragnew, who were also the two male leads, Berger and Wolf. And they were accompanying him to do this recording session, but they were real hippies. And I remember um, the background singers and us was looking at them real strange because Jim Rado, he didn't have on no shoes, Clarence. <laughs> no shoes? Now we was in New York. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't have no shoes and he had on a t-shirt that looked like his mother forgot to tell him to separate the colors from the whites in the laundries. And he said it was tie dye. <laughs> and he had these faded out jeans and on his back left cheek, it was ripped. You could see his skin. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> but his no. hair, he had this bright red bushy curly head you could see it wasn't an afro because you could see he was white and was curly it wasn't bushy but it was out there it looked like his fingers were still stuck in a live plug like boy yo, 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 like that right so at some point <laughs> in the session he he walks up to me and he asked me what i like to do hair i said excuse me i do not have a bachelor of arts music in, in music to do nobody's hair and he explained to me that it was going to be a Broadway show because I had never even seen a, 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 a theatrical play. I knew nothing about theater. So, he, but a lot, of, it had been at the Cheetah and several other places. I think, um, I forget the name of that theater downtown in the uh, East Village. So a lot of people, especially theater people knew about it. So he assumed that I did. And I thought he was talking about being a, being a hairdresser. I didn't know. I mean, he. Mm. He expressed to me that well, all of us that um, they were still looking for strong singers, and he thought my personality was interesting, so he invited <laughs> us to, <laughs> to say the least. He invited <laughs> he invited us to come down and sing for the producers and the directors, and if they said so, that we would be invited to be in the production of the Broadway musical Hair. That's how I got into the show. I went down and sang for them. Wow. Okay. okay. And I, I, in the show, I was uh, featured in a parody, a little joke that was done on the Supremes where three black girls stood in this uh, sequin dress, but it was one dress, but you didn't know it. And we came out this high uh, above your head wedge that rolled out. And all of a sudden, at a certain point, we all burst out and you could see it was one dress. And so everybody laughed because it was supposed to be a joke, supposed to be a parody. That's, but it was a very important part of the, the show. And that's the reason I was hired. And I did other, you know, different featured things in, in the play. But eventually, the female lead left. And I'm going to tell you who she was in a minute, but I got to set it up the right way. <clears throat> and they kept, <laughs> they kept having these people replace the lead that they weren't happy with, and they kept firing them. So the same black, black girl that played Abe Lincoln, she had a big mouth, by the way. She said, uh, how could, I thought you said this was open and free. How come you don't let a, let a black girl uh, audition for the, the, the lead? You always have blonde-haired, blue-eyed people. They said, well, we just didn't think of it. I guess they said, we're white. Why would we think of that? You know. But so, no, it'll be open. So she said, why don't you let Melba audition for it? I don't know why she picked me, but she did. I mean, while well, she you know, supported me. Uh, so anyway, I auditioned for it, and uh, they put me up in one of the matinees, and I got the female lead. But Clarence, in so doing, I became the first black actress to replace a white actress. And guess who the lead was who left? I think that I know. Well, I'll say Diane Keaton. 
Yes, 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 yes. She, yes. she let me go with um, Woody uh, Allen, who I think the play that he was doing at the time was uh, played against Sam. But from then there on, he took her into the movies and she became the big movie icon that she's become. Right. Wow. 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 So. That's, that's <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. But you look, look at the historic value in that story and that experience for you. I mean, the first black to replace a white woman, that was a big deal back then. Yeah, it, it's probably still a big deal. You don't just it's, change. I mean, I mean, not just because of um, racism, but normally there's a reason why a, a person is picked for the culture that they are for whatever the role is. It's not just automatically interchangeable. So that's an unusual opportunity, I'll put it that way. Yeah, for sure. All right, so then came Pearly about a year later, right? Maybe, maybe 1970, 1970, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you were the first, again, the first black actress to win a Tony Award for best featured actress in a musical. I'm, I'm told what that, that What is that about? How does that make you feel? <laughs> well, all these years later, now that I have an opportunity not to be scared all the time, <laughs> you know, you're in these new territories. This is, I never studied acting. I hadn't gone to the theater. The way things happened for me was always an abs I was always in shock. I didn't know what a Tony Award was. I never heard of it. I heard of Grammys. Every black person has. <laughs> And we didn't get that easily or overnight. Right, right. So uh, I realize now, I hate to be very colored, but God had his hand on me. Okay, yes he did, yes he did. And as we say, he still does. I, the story, I really didn't know the ropes, I didn't know the way that I was going. Mm. And I would go and try something, it would work out. And then something else would happen and it would turn into something else. And, and in some cases, like uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a manager because I, 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 I was trying to plan, but I didn't know what to do. There was no one to, to go to guide me that way. So I lost everything and I've lost it several times. Mm. But like I said, I never lost my voice. I never lost my praise. So he keeps giving it back to me. There it is. There it is. There's the key right there. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Now this is the uh, Black Muse uh, video podcast. So I've got to ask you this: Who inspired you? Who made you want to sing? And then who made you want to continue to sing as the years went by? Some of the well, legends and all that. But, well, first of all, with my mother because she was a professional singer, and so um, there was professional music in my home. My stepfather, whom she married. Uh, they worked together as uh, a professional, a, a music group, first as a duo, and then they added a, a bass, drums, and guitar. And so they would rehearse in the house. Also, uh, uh, for the first time, I had a, a family. My original family was my grandmother who had had strokes and she didn't speak. And my mother mm. would gone all the time because she was a single parent because my natural father was a band leader, but they really didn't have a relationship and they didn't marry. So I didn't have a father there. And the, the reason I'm sure I got the Tony Award for Lou Bell, Gussie Mae Jenkins, because my nanny who actually raised me was Lula Hawkins from 
the backwoods of South Carolina. She was a cotton, she was an orphan. She was illiterate. Mm. So that's, that's who I talked like. <laughs> of course, I, I went to Catholic school and I, I, I lived on 108th Street, Central Park West. So I talked like that too. But that's typical of many Americans. We have, America is a place of immigrants. We come from somewhere else. And of course, uh, us Africans come from all over different places of Africa and, and uh, the West Indies and uh, other places too. So we have that, that multicultural. What was the question? <laughs> Oh, who were your inspirations? Okay, I was going going back to that because I don't want you to think it was just a normal, uh, uneventful uh, growth process that happened. Sure. So, uh, so, uh, so I guess I'm trying to say too that in the beginning, for the first nine or ten years of my life, there was no music in my world because Mama Lou did a lot of things, but she didn't sing. Mm -hmm. Mother mm -hmm. dear was gone all the time. Mm -hmm. So not only did I have no music or no mentor for that in my life, my mother was gone. I was really more like Mama Lou in terms of being closer to being an orphan than being part of a family. That's important to your grooming. Uh, <clears throat> when she married my stepfather, now I have a, uh, he had a daughter and a son. So now I have a, a sister and a brother. That was first a brand new world. So, and, and so uh, my, my stepfather made us all learn how to play the piano. You got to practice the piano. You got to get involved with that. You're, that's like becomes like another person to you, this music. <clears throat> and of course, music was the center of our lives. They rehearsed music. Mother and daddy lived and breathed music. They didn't ever think about, talk about nothing else. But then, Clarence, they told me to get a real job. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you get a real job. Okay. okay. You could probably understand what I'm saying. Being yeah. artists, um, there's there's no stability. Well, there is stability, but we don't know about it. But if we know about artistry, it usually came to us naturally from our our environment. But we don't know about business. Right. Right. And we know how uh, unfair and uneven everything is if you're black. Right. So they said, you know, don't, we've had too much of a hard time. We don't want it to be so hard for you. So we studied, 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 studying music. Uh, once it was time to go to, by the time I went through, uh, even finished elementary school and spent all the time I did with my mother and my father singing at home and being involved with music and playing the piano, I found out I had a little voice. <laughs> well, we all could sing though, you know, and by junior mm -hmm. high, you know, you're in the chorus and the choir and you have uh, talent shows and, you, you have a lot of experiences that, that make you see, oh, oh, they think I'm something special here. And then by the time I got to, to go to high school, I didn't want to go to a, a regular high school. I'd heard about arts high school. So I said, oh, you could go there if you get in and you can major in music. So that's what I did. I went there and I majored in vocal music. Mm. Went there and then, okay, now, listen, you guys, my parents, you got to go to college. You got to get finish getting your education. So of course we were the first in our families to get our higher education, a college education. So I, I, I went to um, Montclair University, majored in uh, music education, vocal education, minored in piano and taught music first. And so that, that's how, now what was the question again? Who was- well, your, your inspirations. My so, inspirations. Okay, yeah. so by that time I learned the piano. So 
my inspirations were piano players like Horace Silver or Dave mm. Brubeck. <laughs> mm. People who really could play. I was trying to play their licks and stuff. That's all I listened to. Because you can't you can't escape people like Sarah Vaughn and and but you also can't escape people like Ruth Brown and uh, you know our blues singers, you know, on on our AM radio, you know, and you can't escape people like BB King. <laughs> I knew I couldn't sing the blues, but you know we have such a rich heritage. So I was influenced by so much of that. And I'm gonna tell you something: you cannot escape Ella Fitzgerald. <laughs> you know, and I'm gonna go on and on and on. But ask you, Clarence. You're a journalist, and you probably you might know, uh, even though you're not a musician. Do you know the song "Airmail Special"? Airmail Special? No, no. I bet you do. Listen, you know it, don't you? Yes, yes. That's Ella Fitzgerald's "Airmail Special," but see, don't have no lyrics. Oh, okay, okay, yes. Well, yes I, 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 know that. I give you that example to show you how deeply impressed we were with the musicians around us. Wow, very good, very good. There's, cool. there's many, 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 many more. I mean, it was Betty Cart. I guess so many. Wow. And I'm yeah, that. going back to, toward that beginning of it, and then if I go down further. I mean, okay, you want to talk about somebody? What about Miss Beyonce? How is she gonna get up and sing like that, and do twist her her, her legs around like a dog on pretzel at the same time? I mean, we have incredible artists, and I know they're not, you know, all the best ones are not just black, but we've got some incredible ones. We do. We and do. then I've, I've been listening to someone, a young lady. Seems like she plays every instrument in the world. Called her. Oh, yes. Yes. You can't. You can't even. You're a journalist, and you can't even think of them all. Yeah, yeah. There's too many. What about the young lady that just played uh, Billie Holiday? What's her name? Andre Day. Oh my God! Watch out. Mm. And then I saw her on one of the um, the Grammy shows, and she looked like if she wanted, she could play football. <laughs> <laughs> Strong, you know, not just beautiful, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. An incredible actress because, like to me, she became Billie Holiday. Yeah, she did. It was very, very powerful. Wore me out. I, I, I got to see it again. I got to watch it again. And of course, uh, the concept was Lee Daniels. So what yeah. about our filmmakers now? Yeah, yeah. No, Lee and Tyler oh, Perry. You know, back in in the days of the beginning of of Jet and and, and Evan and all that. We didn't have these opportunities or even anywhere to study to, to bring out that kind of uh, genius that we have the ability now we're we're in we're in a new renaissance i think now we really are and we maybe really because are. of the COVID. maybe i think it's a mistake <laughs> to try to, to shut a black man down because <laughs> if he goes out on you i mean because like what about d nice did you see his work not not recently no Okay, no. because the important thing is when everything was shut down, he started with old school music and drew people into it. And there was nothing else to do, not only nothing else to do, but it was depressing and repressive. And so he joined people and gave them a, a distraction or something really to, to come together for. 
but he developed that into something where he had people out on the lines voting, listening to him, encouraging them to go out. And, and you know, that's been more important this year than ever in our American history. And I'm saying that to say, when God gives us a, a, a power like this, and we have something that is, is gonna kill hundreds of thousands of people when you talk about shutdown, and we can use just one little thing to, to give us some hope to hold on to the next moment, to the next moment, to the next moment. We don't want, mm. excuse me, in my humble opinion, that's my opinion. All right, all right, very well, very well. Let's let's move on to this. You made reference to Ebony and Jet. So you were on the cover of Jet in 1990 when you did Lift Every Voice and Sing, got all the stars together for that. So what was that like for you to be on the cover of Jet Magazine, which is a big deal, but just, I wanna hear from you. What was it like for you to be on the cover of Jet Magazine? Well, I, I don't think it was the first time. Um... No, it was not. It's the first time that, wait a minute, first time that I was there. Oh, <laughs> I was there. Wait, it was <laughs> Yes. Of course, it's always exciting because everybody don't get the cover of Jet, let me put it that way. But it was particularly exciting because um, my having participated uh, in getting Lift Every Voice and Sing um, entered into the congressional record officially on record as our national anthem. How can you be in every nation's got a national anthem? Everybody had a national anthem except African-Americans because it's the racism and the hatred and the degradation is systemic. And we're still, of course, fighting it. So one of the things that you have to do is you have become official and on record. That's why voting in, in uh, um, Congress and the Senate and everything is so, so, uh, um, so important. Because even if it's wrong, if you can make it in a law, you can get some kind of uh, support to enforce it. So it's a law that we are a nation. We are African Americans. And God made it so we got a song to identify it, like songs identify every, everything. Songs, so, music changes the environment. Mm. But you know it does. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. what we observe. You give me a chance to say it. Yeah. So that's what it means. And you were the official representative of. African Americans, Jet and uh, uh, Ebony, or well, the most popular one in the, the in, in most cases the first one. So that's what it means to be on the cover of Jet. It means you are official, you are on record, on the on the record that everybody recognizes and accepts as official. Wow. But I'm right, wow. right? Yeah, you're right. That's it. That's it. Wow. Because I could be hyping, but I'm not. <laughs> Let's go to your music, to, to your hit songs. You've had a long string of the hit songs. You stepped into my life. You know, I look. Um, I got love from Pearly, um, and uh, a duet with Freddie Jackson and all that. Do you, Do you have a favorite? And there's so many more now. But do you have a favorite? You know, they're, they're all really different, and 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 I have a diverse audience, and so what, if I've taking care of myself and I'm in good voice and I can holler and scream and do and jump around and everything, then that's my favorite. But I think <laughs> okay, I think the song that might be my favorite because it doesn't matter if people know the song, doesn't they don't have to be black. Uh, they don't have to be mature and they don't even have to understand the lyrics. They usually are impressed with it is Lean On Me. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> that that is all. All right. Yeah. You, okay. Now your daughter, who we sort of met earlier in this uh, broadcast, um, has she shown any interest in this crazy music business she at all? She loves the, the the music business. She likes the oh. business aspect of it. And uh, <clears throat> since everybody's been kind of shut in or sequestered or um, what do you call it? Quarantine. <laughs> we've we've been quarantine. Yeah. We've been quarantined, so we don't give nothing to nobody <laughs> that they don't want. She's been assisting me and like kind of reworking what she wants to do in her own businesses. And so um, she's reevaluating that. But in, in, in the meantime, she's basically helping me manage my business. I have a wonderful manager, Ron Richardson. Very good guy. Yes, very good guy. Yeah. So she's uh, um, assisting me in making the transition and uh, maybe seeing where she wants to go um, further on in, in, in her areas of business. There's a couple of areas that she likes, but then, you know, some things were shut down for her too. So she, we have to um, make some reevaluations. But in the meantime, she's seeing me and this part of the industry in a totally different way than she has. She's okay. always, she was always in the industry with um, myself and my husband and our, our Hush Productions as a child. But as an adult, she's taken her own path. So she, she's got a, but it's going to be in the business aspect. She's not really interested in the, um, the uh, singing or the, the performance part of it. She's interested in the business part. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So Melba, here you are now, after all these years, all this, so many accomplishments, uh, what's the key to your staying power, to your longevity? Because you're still active, you're still here, you're still relevant. The main thing, Clarence, you have to stay healthy. Because you, you're the instrument. <laughs> you you too, not just me. I mean, you got to, you know, you've been helping to tell the story. You're the journalist, you know. So <clears throat> um, you got to, you got to, um, Watch your diet. I I think the um, the food industry is changing tremendously, especially since the pandemic. I've never seen so many vitamins on the supermarket shelf, and so so many um, healthy snacks, not just potato chips and uh, tortillas and you know things that are have a lot of starch and corn and sugar, but no nutrition. And of course, you get really really sensitive to that. If when you eat those things, you get hoarse and you can't sing and singing is your vocation. I'm just telling you why that's first. Yes, indeed. Okay. And then, you know, uh, <clears throat> you have to know what's organic and what's natural. So you can't leave the creator out of it because you're going to miss something real important if you leave God out of it because he created it and he created for you. He wants you to be with him in this. So religion. Very, okay. very important. And then from there, he kind of shows you who and where you're going to go. So naturally, people are not last, but I can't get them first. So I'm going to make the wrong decisions about how to fellowship with them, I think. So, but I, I guess <clears throat> you go to God and everything because people really have to be first. Okay. So you can, you can learn and understand what integrity is, what respect is. And that's why you study your, your scriptures and you, you, you study the, the uh, Moses law and you do it so much until it comes out on your record and you don't even know you did it. <laughs> See that? 
you've given your testimony. He has to be a habit. If, he, if he's not, then something else will be. And it will destroy mm. before your mm. time. Mm. That's not just my opinion. I've seen it happen. Mm. And I've seen myself lose everything to try to figure out what it is. And through going back to him and him showing me what the ABC steps are. So, oh, now I see. Okay. What he calls revelation. <laughs> Now you see, and what the order should be, and everything in its place. So you can have great things, but if they're out of place, they will destroy each other because the chemistry won't, won't be right. And everything is chemistry. And on and on and on. Right. OK. Cool, cool. Freddie Jackson, how's he doing? Have you seen him recently? Freddie's doing very well. As a matter of fact, he's, I think he's doing in some ways better than he has been. He's because he's been able to kind of take a break and reassess and revalue himself. I, I think he looks, he looked so thin to me for a while. I'm, I'm good friends with Freddie, but I'm not close with him. I don't hang with him. But the last few times I saw him, he, he kind of filled out a little bit. <laughs> he, he sounded healthier and better. And he said he, said he was feeling better. But as far as his uh, career is going, as far as I know, it's going very well. He's still doing everything that he wants to do. I believe he has new music out too. Okay, good. And how about uh, Melissa Morgan? Melissa? Melissa, still, Melissa, yes. She's still running it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, don't know, I don't know if I'm her mentor, she's mine. Okay, okay. No, she just has, she's so sweet. She, I work with her a lot, especially in the UK. Yes. So we spend time together and she she's always, especially during times, well, you know, I've had some really difficult times where she'd always call me or make sure I had a ride or see what she could, she's always been a friend. Mm. You, know, you know, can I mm. can I give some assistance to you or can I get you, help you get some work? She's been okay. that way. That's what Melissa is to me. Yeah, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. Yeah. All right, so we're winding down now. What's next for Melba Moore? What else do you want to do? What's As the people would have said, who's zooming whom? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. But I mean, yeah. everything is Zoom and um, streaming and, yeah. and you're doing everything, you know, um, virtual, virtually. Yes. So, so I've had some offers to do some work, some performances uh, virtually. I had some new, new um, music out with some other uh, artists like Crack of Dawn from uh, Canada. So the new song out called Solo Tiempo, beautiful ballad. Mm. Um, trying to think. Oh, there's another another song called Now That You Want Me Back, kind of nice little dance song from somebody from the UK, um, as well as new EP, not EPK. <laughs> we learned that, we learned that, we, we got it. <laughs> Coming up from um, um, collaborating with Terry Hunter, um, I may I may be able to do some things with some other artists too in the in the near future. Right. Okay. All right. Well, we're about done over here. Any, anything else you would like to share that anything I did not ask you that you want to talk about that you feel like sharing with the world? Well, I think we covered everything, Clarence, and I just am really yeah. glad to since the, since the world and the universe is in a circle, we come back around and meet each other again. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love and I, I hope to, that we have many, many opportunities to, to, to do it continually. That's, that's my hope. Yeah, same here. 
Same here. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it from my heart to yours. So um, we'll be in touch. Thank <laughs> you.